HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. It's Sunday afternoon. Welcome to another cheese-tastic episode of Cutting the Curd, your bi-weekly dairy dispatch on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, today's show is sponsored by White Oak Pastures and engineered by Nat Wiener and Jack Inslee. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my co-host today is none other than the lovely Nicole Slavin, who's had jobs in cheese ranging from Milking goats to working behind the cheese counter and everything in between. So thanks for being on the show, Nicole. Thanks for having me, Anne. We're also joined today by two adorable Scottish terriers named West and Red, who might or might not comment at some point, but we'll have to we'll have to see how it goes. Um, so today's show is taking us down to Austin, Texas, where this year's American Cheese Society Conference is underway as we speak. Um, our guest today is going to be Tia Keenan, Fromager and Dairy Diva at New York City's very own Casalula Cheese and Wine Cafe, which is located up in uh, Hell's Kitchen. Um, so Tia is going to be patched in via phone in just a minute to give us the rundown on all the cheesy details from this year's American Cheese Society Conference. But um, before we talk to Tia, I wanted to take a minute uh, to attempt to explain just what the American Cheese Society is all about to our listeners, because, you know, it's pretty much the geekiest thing around. And uh, we who are already indoctrinated don't think it's that weird anymore, but it's actually pretty weird. So um, I'll just take a minute and tell you a little bit about the American Cheese Society. Um, It's an organization that was formed in 1983 by uh, Frank Kozakowski, who at that time was a professor at Cornell University. Um, He formed the American Cheese Society back when nobody but nobody thought American cheese was anything other than Kraft Singles. But Mr. Kozakowski saw that there was kind of a burgeoning movement of small-scale dairy uh, and dairy artistry happening in the U.S., and uh, he wanted to organize a body so that all these people could at least know that they weren't the only ones out there and uh, be able to talk and share resources a little bit. So 
Over the past 26 years, the American Cheese Society has grown by leaps and bounds and is now the, uh, you know, the go-to authority for American cheesemakers, large and small. Through their efforts, the American Cheese Society has raised an incredible amount of awareness about artisan cheesemaking in this country. And um, as I was mentioning before, their main goals are establishing networks for people to communicate with each other, cheesemakers, cheese aficionados, um, and, uh, you know, everyone in between. And um, also communicating what American cheese is to the public and, uh, you know, through doing that, providing education and resources to cheesemakers and cheese lovers alike. They try to really be sort of a, a broad, multifaceted organization that has something for, for everybody. Um, so the first... Uh, conference or the first cheese competition I should say was held in 1985 and um, at that time featured 89 cheeses from 30 different cheesemakers uh, now there are over 400 artisan cheesemakers at work in the United States and last year they submitted over 1200 cheeses to the American Cheese Society competition so it has grown immensely and it's really exciting to see how many wonderful cheeses are being made in this country. So the conference changes cities every year, and um, it's really a chance for cheese geeks of all professions to meet up and literally chew the fat uh, about, you know, what's going on with their favorite, you know, dairy substance. Um, There are panels, tastings, seminars, and of course, the cheese competition, which culminates in a sort of orgiastic festival of cheese (laughs) where all the conference uh, participants parade around this giant banquet hall and taste all the cheeses that have been submitted to the competition, Um, which is uh, a pretty intense event. I I did that last year in Chicago, and I thought I was going to keel over. Um, Actually, I ended up going to my friend Mark's house for pizza afterwards, which was a a terrible idea. But, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the cheese festival more a little bit later. So we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, Tia Keenan will be with us um, to give us the scoop directly from Austin, Texas. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, uh, sponsored by White Oak Pastures. Um, I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. I'm joined today by Nicole Slavin. And we have Tia Keenan on the line, who is the fromager extraordinaire at Casalula Cheese and Wine Cafe in Hell's Kitchen right here in New York City. Are you with us, Tia? 
Hi, Anne. Hello. Greetings from Austin. How, how's it going? Can you believe it's freezing? It's freezing cold here. That's unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. It's about 105. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to believe you. It's been so weird everywhere. <laughs> so what's going on down in Austin? So I was down in Austin for the week at the 2009 American Cheese Society Conference. Um, the conference moves around every year. So this year it was um, in August in Austin. The most beautiful time of year to be eating cheese in the most, you know, beautiful <laughs> setting. Um, no, I but wait. I say, I, Austin's I, a great city. Hot, hot, cold. It's a wonderful place. That's great. And so now I heard that um, among your non-cheese activities for the weekend was a little activity called um, chicken shit bingo. Has that happened yet? That hasn't happened yet. I'm on my, I'm I'm waiting for this interview to then uh, travel to um, Ginny's Little Longhorn in Austin, which is a, uh, a roadhouse. That's what they call their establishment and I'm going to play chicken chip bingo and I'm really looking forward to it but right now I'm calling from Podgy House which is a beautiful historic um, landmark in Austin. It was a private home that was turned into a really beautiful restaurant while preserving the actual integrity of the uh, landmark house so that's where i'm calling from wow well thank you so much first of all for agreeing to talk with us from the conference and for you know uh fitting us into your schedule because chicken shit bingo is no joke (laughs) and i really you know i just want you to know i'm honored thank you (laughs) and you know i love you it's my pleasure well so tell us this is this your first time at the acs no, um, this is my third American Cheese Society conference. Uh, last year I was in Chicago, which was a great town to be in, great food, food town. Yeah. Um, and before that, uh, Burlington, which is a wonderful, the much smaller food town, but also, you know, the great state of Vermont, uh, possibly, you know, definitely one of the best dairy producing states in the country and um, doing the Northeast proud with cheese, as you well know. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So one of the things that I was really wondering about is um, at this year's conference, is there a strong contingent of Texas cheesemakers? Because I know when we were in Vermont, there were like, you know, it was like everyone in everyone's backyard. So I wondered what the Texas cheese scene is like. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, cheesemakers in Texas. I wouldn't say that Texas is as big a cheese-producing state as Vermont, um, but there's a lot of Texas cheesemakers. Probably the most famous Texas cheesemaker is uh, Paula Lambert of the Mozzarella Company, um, who was on the the board (laughs) this year. Um, But... Uh, we were actually talking at breakfast this morning. I was talking with Carrie from Rogue River Creamery. Now, Rogue River won the Best in Show Award. Um, for for people who are listening who don't really understand what the ACS conference is, it's kind of like your prom plus the Oscars, like all rolled into one for cheese. So when you win the Best in Show Award, you're winning like the top... Prizes and kids, like the Nobel Prize of cheese or something. Oh. Um, 
Anyhow, so I was talking to Carrie today, and we were. I asked him what he was doing, and he said, oh, I'm going to a dairy in Waco. And we were all talking about how even five years ago, you know, we we wouldn't have imagined of even utter, of even having the chance to say the phrase, oh, today I'm going to be visiting a dairy in Waco. Even if, in fact, that dairy did exist five years ago, it wouldn't have been on, on most people's radar, even cheese people's radar. So there's lots of cheese in Texas. The cheese in Texas is really interesting. It's very much influenced by um, by uh, Latin American and Mexican cheeses. Okay. Uh, so very much like very much like the food of Texas is very much influenced by its relationship geographically and culturally to, to the south of the border. The cheeses, of course, follow suit. I mean, you come to Texas. When I knew I was I was going to be coming to Austin, I knew I wanted to eat, you know, Tex-Mex and interior Mexican and barbecue. And you actually see um, that same sort of cultural leaning um, expressing itself in the cheese. Can you um, give so us some really examples? Can you give um, yeah, you know, I have to look through my notes. I wasn't really ready to quite go there, but I know we have, um, we're doing just a lot of like um, well, simpler f- cheeses, like kind of queso blancos okay. and stuff like that. Um and then also in terms of flavored cheeses, like the flavored cheeses that come out of Texas are overwhelmingly like Tex-Mex flavors. Um, I know one of the cheeses that I tasted from Paula this year was, uh, a, Paula makes goat's milk cheeses. This is Paula from Mozzarella Company. And it was a, a fresh, basically a, a, a queso blanco, like a goat's milk queso blanco with, with fresh um, sliced jalapenos like in throughout the cheese and then crusted on top of the cheese. So you're not talking like a little bit of jalapeno here and there like you would see in a commercial pepper jack. You're talking about like uh, a goat's milk cheese, a fresh goat's milk cheese that's got like big chunks of raw fresh, bright green, still crispy jalapenos in it, which I thought was um, really bold of her to make that cheese and also really delicious because when you're using fresh jalapeno like that, you're not just getting um, heat, you're also getting the vegetal flavor, the actual flavor of the jalapeno, not the, the hot the heat of the jalapeno, but the flavor of the of the vegetable itself. Well, it's kind of like... The tanginess of the pepper. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of like Texas itself. I mean, Texas is a big state with big flavors and, you know, big, bold sort of uh, statements of all kinds. So it makes sense that they're making cheeses that kind of fit with that, uh, you know, with that character. Tia, how many yeah. cheeses do you think you've tasted this week? Ay, ay, Well... The, the week of the conference ends with the Festival of Cheese. This year, there were 1,327 cheeses to taste. Wow. Now, you know, I, I'm a pro, so I don't, I got some cities going in there, and I could tell they were going to be, I could tell they were going to get taken down within an hour, you know, like they went, they're tasting willy-nilly, they're like eating multiple pieces of the same cheese, it's not a good strategy. So I went in, and I have a rule at ACS, and that's basically, I don't taste anything I've ever tasted before. I try to taste from regions that I don't have access to. So I work out of New York, so I try to taste a lot of Midwestern stuff, a lot of South 
Eastern stuff. I tend to have access to, you know, Eastern seaboard stuff and, and to stuff from California and even the Pacific Northwest. But somehow the Midwest gets lost for me in terms of distribution. So mm-hmm. I try to taste that kind of stuff. Sure. I don't taste flavored cheeses in general. Um, and I don't uh, mess so much with, you know, a lot, of, a lot of flavors. But this year, one of the things that was interesting, Anne, and I'm telling you this because I'm hoping that you're going to move one of the, uh, you're going to move something like this in your store, uh-huh. which is cork. Oh, cork yeah. Is is um, really uh, a lot of people were making cork this year, a lot more than last year. And I'm interested in this because I um, one of my sort of subset passions is cheese, is German cheese. And last summer I spent um, two weeks in the Bavarian Alps making cheese and, mm-hmm. and, and visiting cheese makers. And quark in Germany is something that everyone has in their refrigerator. And quark is basically... Yeah, tell, um, tell our listeners fresh. what quark is. Quark is basically creme fraiche that's made with skim milk. Okay, yeah, so really okay. rich, creamy, so you would, fresh... Yeah dairy goodness good way to lighten up a cheesecake yeah yeah and you would use it the way that you would use yogurt your point about cheesecake is exactly right because it's got a similar texture to yogurt um and it's really delicious and i ate such amazing quark in bavaria last year but you don't really see much quark around here but this conference there was an entire um well there was a table that i would say half that table was was quark Interesting. Very interesting. And, so and people are really getting into uh, making quark. That's so you heard that's it here cool. First, folks, dairy trends newsletter. I hope you quote me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quark is the new black. Quark is where it's at <laughs> in the cheese world. Um, that's there so. That is so great. So, can you tell us? So, you're you obviously you know you came to the American Cheese Society conference, and it makes sense because you do this for a living. But, and we're gonna we're gonna sort of zoom into a break in a minute or so. But if you can just sort of give us a rundown, who are some of the other kinds of people that come to the ACS? Um, who are these okay. freaks and geeks that want to know about cheese? So, um, you know, probably my favorite group of people who are at the conference are cheesemakers. Now, um, there's a lot of cheesemakers, but you, you have to understand how hard it is for cheesemakers to get to the conference. A farm is a, is a job, a business that never stops. There's no Christmas. There's no break. Yeah. Uh, the animals need attention every day, 365 days of the year. Mm-hmm. So um, there are cheesemakers. There should be more. If I had my way, there would be more. Can we now, get a round of applause for our cheesemakers? Hang on. We're going to we're gonna send a little shout-out to our cheesemakers. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> for cheesemakers. And Yay. I also want to say something... I also want to say something to the American Cheese Society. I want to say that every year you hold your conference in August, and August is one of the busiest times of the year for any farmer. So ACS, you need to, like, hold your conference in January so that more farmers can come to your conference. There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, with that, let's. We're going to take a really quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about you and how you got into cheese and what you do at uh, Casa Lula. So we okay, will. Great. We'll be back after a really short break. Time will bring the real end of our trial. There'll be no remnants, no trace, no residual fear lands within you. 
This is Cutting the Curd, your bi-weekly dairy dispatch on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we're sponsored today by White Oak Orchards, and our engineers are Jack Inslee and Nat Wiener. Uh, I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my co-host today is Nicole Slavin. We're joined uh, from directly from Austin, Texas today by none other than Tia Keenan, who, in my opinion, has one of the best cheese palettes I have ever encountered. Which um, she puts to good use, uh, you know, a thousand times a day at her uh, restaurant up in Hell's Kitchen called Casalula. Um, so, Tia, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with cheese originally? Uh, sure. I wanted to add, because I talk so much about cheesemakers, also at ACS are distributors, wholesalers, retailers, KCO-files, um, and uh, specialty food producers. Anyhow, so yeah, uh, I got into cheese. I'm a, a restaurant person. I've been working in New York City restaurants for a decade and basically was working mostly in French fancy schmancy restaurants. I ended up running cheese programs in that restaurant, in those restaurants. And then I started, like, all proper American women worth their salt started asking questions like, why do you have to have a $300 meal to have a, a good cheese plate? And why does cheese always have to be served with quince paste? And where's the American cheese? And um, so we came up with the concept of, of Castellula. And um, my requirement for taking this, this to, to opening this restaurant and taking this gig was that I wanted no restrictions and I wanted to be able to kind of do whatever I wanted with the cheese plate. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and so that uh, requirement was met, and so I opened Casalula with a rotating cheese selection on a menu that changes every day. The selection ranges between thirty-five and forty-five cheeses. We actually and, we have um, a menu here in front of us today, and it is impressive. Nicole last night went yeah. and did her due diligence, and she went into Casalula and tasted her taste had a had an amazing flight of cheese. Oh, good, good. So yeah, I was. Uh, so I always, you know, I, I've always loved restaurants. I've always loved food. But when I first, when I started working with cheese and and touching cheese every day and really working with it in a meaningful way, I knew that I had found the medium that would help me. Um, 
express all the things uh, I wanted to express. When I started working with Cheese, I realized that um, through my work with Cheese, I get to use every experience I've ever had in my life. I get to really um, play with every idea that's, that's interesting to me. Some of it may seem like it's not connected to Cheese, but Cheese really allows me to... Um, talk about and show through my work um, all the things that interest me in my life, both professionally and, and personally. So I'm Certainly. really lucky to have found that. Yeah. And I mean, so you, you, not, you improve the lives of obviously everyone who walks through the door of Casa Lula, but you also, like you said, are able to have this creative expression. I think that your sort of genius in your job lies in the pairings that you come up with. They are so inspired. And, and I just want to sort of tell everyone else who's listening um, out there that at Casa Lula, you can choose from this uh, menu of between 35 and 50 cheeses, and each cheese comes with a custom-made condiment. And we're not talking, you know, like a, a slice of bread or a cracker. Um, I creamed mean, Creamed corn. Yeah. Nicole, what did you have last night? What was your favorite? I have to say the creamed corn paired with the sweetgrass dairies Green Hill. That sort of blew my mind. And as Anne said earlier, I'm, I'm sort of sorry I didn't have that as the focused vegetable of the meal. You could have just had cheese and all the pairings that you do would have rounded it out and made it. Yeah. And you were talking about another one with like a lavender, the lavender panna cotta. And that was paired. Oh, that was, that was actually the first I chose one cheese from every category. So from the fresh category, we picked the San Moray and that had the sort of a lavender panna cotta beside it and a little dandelion garnish. Um, well, I, you know, for me, sky's the limit with pairings. Pairings do a lot of things for me. They, um, you know, enhance and complement the cheese. Also, um, really helped me do something which was really important in the in the concept and execution of Casalula, which was to take away the intimidation of cheese um, for the average American person to show people that it could be down home and have a sense of humor and and be delicious at the same time. That it didn't have to be scary and European and uh, in a fancy restaurant uh, surrounded by French waiters that you could have fun with cheese and um, and and still and enjoy it and have it be something that was familiar and new at the same time the so, condiments allow so you know creamed corn you may I mean I'm sure Nicole you know sweet grass dairy but a lot of my guests they come in they've never eaten sweet grass dairy green hell but when I serve it with creamed corn they know that creamed corn so suddenly that sweet grass dairy green hell seems a lot more applicable because it's served with something that is familiar and also comforting. I mean, who creamed corn is, is the ultimate comfort food. Yeah. So. There was one cheese last night. Um, I'm going to maybe say this wrong. I, you know, as a Jewish girl, I want to say Hallerhocker, but is it Chollerhocker? It's Hallerhocker. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure. That's a Swiss Alpine cheese from Toggenberg, Switzerland. There's a lot of um, really lovely cheese coming out of Toggenberg. Um, and, you know, the Swiss make really beautiful Alpine-style cheeses. Now, when I'm saying Alpine-style, I mean, these are cheeses that are made in the mountains. They're cow's milk cheeses. But what's most important is that the cheese is made from milk, which come from animals that are eating beautiful um, grasses and water 
wildflowers in the Alps. And that's, so when it comes to style of cheese, the Swiss really nail it. I mean, they make beautiful alpine cheeses, and they make beautiful alpine cheeses because they have beautiful alpine grass and wildflowers that their animals can eat. Because cheese is protein to protein. <laughs> exactly. Cheese is grass and another expression. So when you have beautiful grass, um, you have beautiful milk, and then if you have a talented cheesemaker, you've got beautiful cheese. So. so, yeah, it's like the terroir of, of milk, which definitely does exist. It's kind of a, you know, um, with wine and cheese and all this stuff, I think it's important, you know, you're talking about breaking down the, the barriers as far as people being intimidated by it um, and, and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, yeah, it's uh, humble food made by uh, humble farmers, and it's, uh, it's just a beautiful expression of the place where it's made and i think that uh you guys you know you and your restaurant do a a fantastic job of letting people into that and making it really fun like we were uh we were looking at some of the other menu or the other items on the menu you have the uh um the flights that you can do like uh cheeses made by women taste better um stankonia it's true, especially in the United States. In the United States, the most innovative and talented cheesemakers are women. I'm not saying that there aren't talented and, and innovative che- male cheesemakers in the United States, but the fact is in the United States that the women far and beyond are pushing frontiers of the American artisan cheese movement. And so I would never put anything on my menu that wasn't true. And so when I make a flight that says cheese made by women tastes better, I stand by that you statement. Mean it. Yeah. And in fact, at the ACS, at the, when I was at the Festival of Cheese tasting some of the 1,327 cheeses out there, each cheese is labeled and it says the name of the cheese and where the cheese comes from and the milk source and it also says the name of the cheesemaker. And I will note that consistently the cheeses that I thought were the most skillfully crafted were were crafted by women. Were made by women. Well, all right. And it's another reason why I love working in American cheese because it's it's really a place where women's work and, and philosophy really gets to shine. Absolutely. Well, you are right there in the center of it all and it's so uh, it's so exciting to just get a little glimpse of what this year's uh, conference was like. I couldn't like. do what I do without people like you, Anne, that's for sure. Oh, man. Well, it's, it's mutual. <laughs> because I certainly would not be as well fed or happy if I couldn't come to Casalula, you know, every once in a while to just stock up. And you inspire me, I have to say. Um, the cheeses that you uh, that you select are exquisite without, uh, you know, with no exceptions. And um, I just, uh, yeah, I respect your palate and I think that you do amazing work. So thank you so much for taking time out of your American Cheese Society conference experiment to uh, come on the radio and talk with us. And I wish you tons of luck with the chicken shit bingo. I'm so happy that you're doing a show about cheese. It's much needed. I'm going to do my best to spread the word. You should have, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for 10, 10 million listeners. And by I the think, end of the year, I this think we can I'm do it for. starting with today. Well, and, and when you get back to New York, we're going to have to bring you out to Roberta's to do a show in the studio because then, you know, uh, we can enjoy some cheese, a top pizza after we're done with our show. And what's better than that? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again real soon. Um, this has been thanks, Anne. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks to you. 
This has been Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. We will see you in two weeks. 